Living as Easter people. Do we live as Easter people? And that's not just on Easter Sunday. Today is the 9th of April. It's a particular day in a particular year. The 9th of April 2023. Maybe you need to mark it in your calendars. Because I want to ask, are we living as Easter people? Now, I want to do a little bit of a, let me call it a, a little bit of research as I, as I share this this morning. Um, sometimes people will tell you things in advance. Something's coming. Oh, there's a party coming up. So, so you'll get given some advance notice. And then sometimes we'll be reviewing after the event what happened. So I want to give you a bit of a preview and a post view. And then I want to look at the Easter story. If we start in uh, Jeremiah 31, verses 1 to 6, it says this. At the, t- at the same time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Israel, when I gave to him, rest. The Lord appeared of old to me, saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Again, I will build you and shall be rebuilt. O virgin of Israel, you shall again be adorned with your tambourines and you shall go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. You shall say, plant vines in the mountains of Samaria. The planters shall plant and eat of them as ordinary food. For there shall be a day when the watchmen will cry on Mount Ephraim, arise and let us go to Zion, to the Lord our God. There's a time when we need to celebrate. There's a promise that Christ is coming. And so when we celebrate, it says there, there shall be a day. That day we celebrate today, there shall be a day. This was prophesied before. This wasn't something that he knew afterwards and they said there was a day. There shall be a day. And there's a day to celebrate. We know how to celebrate parties, don't we, church? We give gifts, don't we? And we go and we celebrate. We maybe some people will dance. You don't want to see my dancing, by the way. Um, maybe some people will bring a cake. We had a celebration last Sunday. Anybody remember what that celebration was? The Latin group was three years old. Yes, and there was a big cake. Said so congratulations on it. You may have seen it in the slides before the beginning of the service. And they sang and they shared and they celebrated. We know how to celebrate. So what are we celebrating today? Are we truly Easter people? You know, sometimes it's very easy to get the wrong idea about celebration. In the war in 1944, there was a British soldier who was, who was called Basil Spence. And as he, was in the, as he was there in the battlefield, he turned to someone. He was an architect in, 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 his, in peacetime. And as a fellow soldier turned to him and said, what are you going to do? When the war is over. I don't know whether you know the name Basil Spence. But he said, I'm going to build a cathedral. Now, there hadn't been a cathedral built in the UK for centuries. There hadn't been a new cathedral for a long time. He was the architect who designed Coventry Cathedral. Now, for anybody who's been to Coventry Cathedral, there's the old cathedral. The ruins that are still there as they were, as they were bombed in the war. And then out of the ashes of this this cathedral comes the new cathedral. It's the most beautiful cathedral 
one of my favourite places. I've got personal connections with it because when it was opened, Benjamin Britten wrote a piece called The War Requiem. And it was first performed in Coventry Cathedral as a sign of reconciliation. My dad sang in that first concert. And then if you go to Coventry Cathedral, you'll see these beautiful stained glass windows up the wall. And if you look on the floor, you will find pennies in the floor. There are old pennies. I don't know how they must be stuck in the floor. And they follow a line. And as a chorister, when I used to sing in Coventry Cathedral, my job was to walk and follow the pennies. I used to walk up these great big aisles, then walk around and then walk back down again as I was singing. The pennies were there to keep us in line. And so Coventry Cathedral is a special place for me, but it's a special place for many people. Because actually, if you go into the old cathedral, which has no roof upon it now, there is a cross there. And that cross is made from the roof beams of when the church was burnt down. And those beams fell to the ground and they landed like a cross. And they stayed there in the ground. And then in the middle of that cross are two nails as a sign of, the, of how Christ was nailed to the cross. Those two nails are from the original roof beams of the cathedral. And Basil Spence said, I'm going to build a cathedral. There hadn't been a cathedral built in, in the UK since St Paul's. Uh, 350 years earlier. And Basil Spence was filled with inspiration. He won a competition. So it wasn't just he was appointed. He won a competition to design Coventry. His designs won the prize. And it's one of the most beautiful, peaceful places. He had direction. He had intent. He had purpose. Now, I don't know if you think about the disciples as they were, they'd been celebrating with Jesus. They'd been out with Jesus. They'd been talking with him. And then he was accused, and then he was brought before Pilate, and then he's crucified. And they went from a great place of walking into the city together and celebrating their saviour, their teacher. And now he's crucified. Gone from that great high to a great low. Now, we have the privilege of hindsight. Instead of foresight, which we, we, we read in here in Jeremiah, we have the privilege of hindsight. So let's look at some hindsight then as we turn to Acts chapter 10, verses 34 to 33. Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows us no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Christ he is Lord of all. That the word you know, which was proclaimed through all Judea, began from Galilee after the baptism which John had preached. How God had anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses. We are Easter people of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging him on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded to us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judged of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive freedom and remission from sins. 
know, that's with hindsight. Now they can look back. They can say, this is the story. But when we get to Easter weekend, imagine, and I played that beautiful recording of Friday is here, but Sunday is coming. We go from that place of desperation, of hopelessness, of where it's all lost, to a place where he is risen. I'm not going to read all of the... uh, Let me just take us there, first of all. But I'll point you to John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. I'm not going to read all of them, but let me just start off the day. By now is the first day of the week. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, whilst it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, went into the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there and the handkerchief that had been round his head. Then another disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. And when the disciples went again to their own homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, And she wept and she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if, I, if, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I, will take, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is teacher. And this is where I want to pause in the story. And it's these questions. Woman, why are you weeping? Why do we weep? We weep because of loss. We weep because of sadness. She was weeping because she said, I do not know where they have laid him. Now we've got the complete story, beginning, during and afterwards. But part of the challenge is that when these kind of things happen in our world, cynicism tells us that all will go on as before, nothing will change. It's so easy to say it's all going to be the same. Do you know, in this moment in history, everything changed. Literally everything changed. 
The curtain in the temple was torn in two. This weekend was so significant. And so cynicism will say, well, it's all just going to be the same. It can't change. Has anybody been in a place of desperation where you wanted something to happen and it didn't happen? And we start to think, well, we've just got to live with that. That's the way it is. You know, we can be changed. We can be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Despair can tell us that the road is coming to end. That Okay, well, what's the point in keeping on? It's so easy to give up, to, pre- to say, well, what's the point? And these, uh, these feelings, these, these thoughts would also be true of the disciples as they came to the tomb. Fear would tell us to look after ourselves, to shut down and say, well, just, just keep yourself safe. But, and this is the big but, imaginative hope gives us courage. What if he truly rose from the dead? What if that empty tomb is a sign that he's no longer here? And then when he turns to her and says, Mary, and she recognizes his voice, she turns to him and says, teacher, imaginative hope gets our eyes off the trouble, off the worry, off the impossibility, onto the cross and to the empty cross and the empty tomb. Friday is here, but Sunday is coming. For from hope springs miraculous expectation. If Easter truly happened, and I'm asking that question because I know there will be people who are listening today who are still asking that question. If Easter really happened, if Christ really rose from the dead, then what difference does it make? Brothers and sisters, I want to say to you, it makes every difference. It makes every difference because Christ, who was the sacrificial lamb, has paid the price for you and me. And consequently, through him, we have access to the Father. And so it doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter how bad we are. It doesn't matter how dreadful our circumstances are. We can look through Christ, beyond the the empty cross, beyond the empty tomb, through Christ to the Father. Because our Father, our loving God, loves us that much that he sent his one and only son. He didn't have a spare son. He didn't have another son. He had one son. His name was Jesus. And he sent him to this earth for you and for me. And so from that, from that imaginative hope gives us courage. And from courage comes miraculous expectation. In Matthew chapter 28, verse, it says this, He is not here. He is risen. He is not here. So when Mary is asked, whom do you seek? I want to ask us the question this Easter. Whom do you seek? Is it Jesus? He is the answer. He is the way. He is the truth and the life. As it says in John 14, no one comes to the Father except through me. Christ gives us access. And so this scripture is the scripture that I want to pull this all together on. Because I think it's so powerfully strong for us this Easter. Christ's life showed me, and this is the message version of this. Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. 
Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central to me. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see in me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This truth, this truth outworked in our lives means that we look at the world differently. It means we serve our our neighbours, our friends, strangers differently. What does a dead person look like? Let me ask you the question. I mean, they were... Mary and the disciples were running to the grave. The tomb, they knew where the tomb was, but the stone was rolled away. What does the body look like? Well, they knew what Jesus looked like, but he was beaten and broken. He was a mess. Do you know, it gets... Julia will tell you this. She likes watching Casualty. When it gets to those moments when there's something happening on the table, you know, and there's there's scalpels and all this stuff going in, I'm immediately kind of... I'm not good with blood. I don't like those things. Do you know what? I, I really, honest with you, I wouldn't have wanted to run into that tomb at all. Because he would have been a mess. Wrapped in grave clothes, but he has a new body. And so we're, they were looking for a broken Christ. And then as he, as he greets Mary and says, Mary, she looks at him and she recognises him straight away. Do you recognise Jesus today do you recognize that he's calling you and me again to live more like him god so loved the world that he sent his only son and he was crucified in a dreadful way and even today there is conflict right where this happened even today the news this morning when i woke up conflict in jerusalem now jerusalem is a place of conflict Because that's the place that Jesus Christ died on the cross. But he rose again. And so even in our modern day world, we're still having conflict as a consequence of mankind. Fear would tell us to look after ourselves. Cynicism would say, well, don't give, well, give up. What's the point? I want to say Easter 2023. Let's leave behind the things that are of death and let's look forward to the things that are of life. And there is an eternal promise and an eternal life for you and for me. The kingdom of God has come to this earth through Christ Jesus. As the disciples ran to the tomb, they were all excited to see, well, to find the body of Jesus. And when they found nothing, They just jumped into confusion. But what I can say for us today is Christ's life showed me and enabled me to do it. To live out a life that is different. To live out a life that is full. It's God's kingdom here on earth. So let me pray. Father, I want to pray first, Lord. That as we focus on Easter, as we will take communion together today, Father, as we will do that today in remembrance of the Last Supper, in remembrance of what you did for us on the cross at Calvary. 
You could have stepped down off that cross. You could have walked away, Saviour Jesus, but you didn't. You looked to your Father and said, if it be your will, and it was our Father God's will, you paid the price for us, and we want to say thank you today. Thank you, Lord. We want to live in the reality of resurrection life. Less of ourselves and more of you. Less of our spirit and more of your spirit. Less of our purpose and more of your purpose. Less of our ways and more of your ways. Father, help us to lift our eyes up of our own circumstances up to you. Father, when we start to see ourselves reflect, or you, yourself reflected in us, we start to realise that we have been changed by the power of the cross, by the power of a resurrected Christ and a price paid for eternity for all mankind. And so, Father God, we come to you. We come to the foot of the cross and we look beyond the cross to where... Our Saviour's body was laid, that tomb. But then we look into the tomb and see that it is empty. He is no longer here. He has risen. And even when Christ went to the disciples in the upper room and knocked on the door, and somebody said, it's Jesus. They said, how can it be Jesus? We saw him buried. We saw him crucified on the cross. It's Jesus. I want to say, church, I want to say to those who are listening, as Easter people, it's Jesus. It's Jesus who died for you. It's Jesus who paid the price for you and for me. It's Jesus who went to the cross and suffered indignity and shame on our behalf. But it's the Father who caused him to rise again from the dead, leaving behind the impact of sin and death, the price paid once for all for each one of us. It doesn't matter how bad we've been. It doesn't matter what we've done. Christ has paid enough. It is enough. It is enough. It is enough. And as Easter people, we will keep our eyes fixed heavenward. We will keep our eyes lifted up. We will choose to hope eternal and hope courageous. We will choose to leave behind cynicism and doubt. And adopt a, a, cloth, a cloak of faith, not fear. Of love, not despair. Of joy, not sadness. Help us to be more like Jesus, we pray. Amen. Father, we thank you for the privilege to give into your kingdom. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to serve you at work, at home. Whether we get paid for it or not, Lord, would you receive the, the offering of our, the work of our hands and our lips and our minds? Father, help us to be good employees. Help us to be good servants. Help us to be good workers, we pray. But Lord, as we bring these gifts as the fruit of our harvest, as the fruit of our labour, we look beyond our bosses at work to our ultimate boss, that is you, Lord God. 
Father, we bring these gifts to you, O God. Would you receive them from grateful, thankful hearts? Would you help us as a church to use them for your glory? Lord, would you multiply that which we've given, Father God? And Father, help there be great fruit for the kingdom, great fruit into others' lives, great fruit into our community, we pray. Father, we thank you for the new connections that you're making to us and with us. Lord, with the warm space on Mondays, and as you bring new people to us, we thank you for all that you're doing. And Father, we pray that you receive these gifts for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much, Pastor Dave, for bringing us the message of Easter and reminding us